2: Reiner's going to win it right back for
5: the Lions. Hand pass to Coleman, flowing through centre-half forward. Long range shot, he's not hitting.
6: Jeez, he's a beautiful mover. Coleman kicks a stellar goal.
4: Lipinski, they go back inside 50. Carmichael, he has a shot from 50, looks good. Oh, the mid-season draft, he loves it too. The boy that used to work in the bottle always going
1: bang. Goldstein, clean tap down, Zuha! Zuha! Zohar has six goals! His career best tally has put North Melbourne back in
2: front. He needs to square it up and Lobb has to be really good. Hickey spoiled it! Come
6: back to Papley! And Tommy's there! And there's the Tommy Papley celebration! Tang it all!
1: There's cats everywhere and Selwood can handball it to Myers and Myers kicks a goal and it's going to be tough for the Blues now. Oh, well, round 18 delivered the goods again. We say that week in and week out, but truly we are witnessing a unique and a very, very even AFL season. Last night, the Cats flexed their considerable muscle, knocking off fellow Premiership aspirant Carlton in front of almost 70,000. It was the Tom and Jerry show down one end. They kicked five between them. As Sam DeConing said, what about me in terms of the rising star ranks? And speaking Of the rising star, the rising star Nick Dacos led yet another hard-fought close Collingwood win over a gritty Adelaide in wet and wintry Adelaide Oval conditions. It was Rory Laird breaking the AFL record with 20 tackles, but it was a Nick Dacos show as the teenager had 40 touches and kicked three in Scott Penelbury's 350th game. The Lions took care of business in the nation's capital and the Roos, yes, the Kangaroos, they won one. Then they lost one, and then they won it again at Marvel Stadium against the Sliding Tigers. All that and much, much more on Sunday Crunch Time. Uh, welcome to Sunday Crunch Time. What a round we've seen. What a season we are seeing. Josh Jenkins uh, in the big chair for Nat Edwards, who has more holidays than Uh, Gary Lyon and Tim Watson, it must be said. And joining me, Adam Cooney, the Brownlow medal winning smooth mover. Well, he probably doesn't move as smoothly as he once did, but he looks fantastic sitting there at the MCG. Coons, we could potentially be starting uh, a brand new partnership here. So let's hope it goes well.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a good call because a lot of people at the Sports and Entertainment Network seem to get three to four months off a year, and it's left to us hard workers to pick up the slack, but I'm, I'm glad you're in the big boy chair, and that was a really smooth start. Uh, I love that intro from yourself. I must admit, I didn't wake up that smoothly this morning. <laughs> I had a couple of frosty cool ones last oh, night, no. and I, I wasn't 100%, but I had the tried and tested method that I like to stick to on a Sunday morning, which is a small strawberry milk mixed in with a gold <laughs> Powerade. And I'm telling you, nothing bounces you back better than mixing those two beverages together.
1: Well, well... Have we. you got a method for me? Well, there's a little... there's a, Isn't that something? That's not... Strawberry milk and Powerade. I thought you'd be going McCafe or, you know, something greasy. But uh, I like it. I've, I, I myself, I might have to go and get this strawberry milk and Powerade combo because... I, uh, I was holding uh, one twin in the left, holding the other twin in the right, and I was looking for a cold and flu tablet, and I managed to uh, uh, swallow the nighttime tablet. So I'm a little, uh, <laughs> a, a little more uh, weary than I, than I should be. But the footy will get us through, Coons, and we've seen a, a fantastic round of footy thus far. Still uh, three excellent games remaining, of course, West Coast and Hawthorne, the game that you will be covering at the MCG, Melbourne and Port Adelaide, up in the NT at Alice Springs and Essendon and Gold Coast to bring us home. But uh, last night we saw uh, probably the two games of the round in terms of uh, finals, aspirants and and contenders. The Cats knocked off the Blues by five goals and the Swannies upset, somewhat upset, the Dockers over there in Perth. So uh, good footy all around.
2: Oh, it was a fair upset, it's fair to say, because Frio, some saying a flag... Fancy, and if they finish in the top four and get a home final, then they, they obviously get that uh, oh, that rail ride home if they do get the two in Perth. But, gee, it was a good game by Sydney. Really well coached. They just controlled the footy after quarter time and, and had their way with the Dockers. So certainly some question marks. And your boys last night over Carlton, I think, answered a few more questions whether or not they're a, a genuine Flag contender. Are they the number one seed now? Most people think so. I think they are. I think they're the team to beat Geelong. The footy that they're playing, the forwards that they've got, uh, Sam DeConing, the improvement week in, week out. Probably the only forward you'd be worried about Sam DeConing playing on in a big final would be Tom Hawkins, which is a a luxury for Sam because he's he's obviously on his team. So he's taken care of some of the better key forwards.
1: In the league this year, and it's been a, a meteoric rise from the skinny kid. It indeed. It it actually. Uh, it's been a, a pleasure to watch. And speaking of uh, of a, a pleasurable situation, Coons at Marvel Stadium yesterday for Ruse fans. They've endured heartache. It's been a tough old year. Of course, David Noble uh, was removed as the head coach earlier last week, but uh, they were able to win yesterday. They got over the Tigers and. One of the main reasons that they were able to get over the Tigers was their gun midfielder, Luke Davies-Uniak, and he joins us on the line uh, right here, right now. Luke, well done on the performance yesterday. It must be somewhat uh, of a relief, but an absolute thrill to be able to band together and, and get a big win over Richmond.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um,
1: yeah, it was, like you said, it's been a bloody tough year. Um,
4: so, get to get that win and, um, yeah, off the back of, um, back against the wall type of stuff, and um, yeah, just a great feeling. Um, I got to show you last night it was a quiet one.
1: <laughs> I imagine uh, that, you know, last week was difficult. You would have, as players, felt you know um, guilty about the whole situation and somewhat powerless, but... You quickly needed to shift your attention under Lee Adams and, and the I guess, the semi-new game plan or the new uh, game style that you were going to try and implement. So uh, how was the back end of last week in terms of the preparation for Richmond?
4: Um, oh, I think uh, what Lee Adams did, Patchy, he, he summed it up pretty well in his first meeting. He said that footy's not going to wait for us and um, we just had to get on with it. Um, it was a bloody sad, sad time and a lot of players really loved Noves and unfortunately time was up, but um, yeah, we had to move on quickly and um, yeah, just get on with the job. And um, that uh, sort of difference on the weekend was just that we wanted to be more attacking and play with a bit more freedom and um, I think we really showed that yesterday.
2: So Lee Adams comes in, obviously the caretaker coach wants to simplify the game plan, but it looked like it was a, a free-flowing sort of North Melbourne side with a, that played with that um, that freedom. I suppose, that a new coach can bring. Was that the message from Lee Adams during the week, to just go out there, enjoy yourself, and um, take what the game gives you, free-flowing? I mean, for, what was it, uh, plus 45 in handball, so it looked like you wanted to share the footy around as well.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's basically sums it up. We, um, Yeah, there wasn't... the, the Like I said, the difference was we just wanted to be more attacking, free-flowing, um, get the handball-receive game going, um, and, yeah, just put them on the back foot. Um, and, yeah, we brought that, and... Um, yeah, it obviously, it helped us in the long run because we got the win, so, yeah.
2: And your own form, it's been sparkling this year. You have been the shining light in the midfield. Just talk us through your season preparation. Obviously, you had a really good pre-season. You look fit and you found a home in the middle of the ground.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, at the start of the year, I was probably playing um, a little bit too much up and forward. And um, I think we were trying to get the split between all us middies um, Right, but it's just too much of us going through there. So after the bye, I just came together with the coach and said, like, I just want to, yeah, I just want to be in the midfield and just play solid midfield for the whole day and just go against the best. And um, that's what I want to do. I want to be the best as well. And um, yeah, my um, form recently, I've been happy with it. But um, it's yeah, it's all towards my teammates and um, my, the likes of Cunners and my midfield coach really all um, helped me out like that. So um, and it's also nice when you got Big Goldie in uh, CJ and the Rockies so to get their mitts on it.
1: Luke, what, what changed, uh, clearly, uh, you know, you can't change an entire game plan, but, you know, with the new coach, I imagine Lee Adams was keen to just just try and change the messaging or just change the spirit of the group and the energy of the group a little bit. What, what, what was noticeable, uh, you know, when Lee Adams took over and, and, and the focus areas and the things you, you wanted to go after in yesterday's game?
4: Uh, so some of the focus areas was just, um, simple, making uh, everyone 's roles and responsibilities just more simple um maybe at the all through the year boys 've got a million things going through their head um, and I think that 's another um way that my games changed as well just simplifying things um yeah I think as a young group we can get stuck in our own heads way too much, and that 's when we just get a bit um just uh confused about our roles so what that was the messaging was just simplifying have one or two key things to go into the game with and um go from there.
2: Uh, Pretty good performance by Cam Zerha, I think that's understating it He's out of contract at the end of the year, you want to sign him up as quick as possible But we were surprised about the performance yesterday, I mean, he's a bull We've seen him crash a few packs, but uh, he had some real polish to his game yesterday
4: yeah, it was a like awesome game by Kemmer. He um yeah, he he had, he had the rig out all after the game, so he was <laughs> pretty str strutting around. Um but yeah, we wanna yeah, we're looking he he should be signing on uh, hopefully and um yeah, we love him at the club and um yeah, he's just such a gun and he's gonna be yeah, he's gonna be a superstar in the forward line coming years, so yeah.
1: Look now tell me, uh Josh Simpkins, uh one of the uh more impressive Young leaders going around, and it's you and he are, are going to be driving that midfield for the next six, eight, ten years. He had 34 disposals, kicked an important goal, a crucial goal yeah. yesterday. Just tell us about what he's like Monday to Friday.
4: Yeah, Simo, Simo is um, yeah, he's super professional. He, um, he's he been a big driver towards where I'm heading at the minute as well, and um, yeah, he, he sets the standards around the club, and um, and he's only a year older than me, but he feels like he's about 30, so... And, um, yeah, like I said, just super professional and he's a great bloke as well. So having him around the club and being sort of a mentor to myself um, and to the younger guys, it's great to have someone like him to mature so quickly.
1: And it's been a tough year for most of you, you guys. You know, you haven't won. You've only won the two games and, you know, a, a lot of conjecture. And, of course, you know, we know about what's happened with the coach. But Callum Coleman-Jones was a guy that was identified by by your um, list management group. He was sought after you signed a a long-term contract, and it hasn't really happened for him. But yesterday was probably the first time he was able to get out there and really feel like he can be impactful at AFL level for you guys, 18 disposals. He was involved in terms of tackling and marking the footy and had some clearances. So you must have been thrilled for him that he was able to get out there and and have a real impact on the game.
4: Yeah, exactly right. Well, yeah, it's off the back of CJ's form when he was um, playing back down at the VFL level when he just kept – getting rewarded for his efforts. And, um, yeah, he's grabbed the opportunity with both hands now. And, um, yeah, he's just fitting in seamlessly now with us group. Probably a little bit at the start of um, a little bit uncomfortable and still just getting to know everybody. But, nah, he, he's um, he's looking so good now. And, um, yeah, he's a great fella.
2: Good response, too, from Jaden Stevenson, who was heavily criticised by a number of people during the week um, in the media. Uh, about his lack of competitiveness last week, but uh, I thought he responded really well. Um, 23 disposals, uh, kicked a goal, um, really high in metres gained. Well, tell us about the, the week that he had and obviously how was his mood and the the response from him must have been really pleasing.
4: Yeah, Stevo was uh, pretty flat um, probably early on in the week, but one thing about Stevo is he, he's not too flat for too, much, too long and... Um, he was up fine, ready to go for main training. And um, he's training. He's training for the last couple of weeks. Actually, has actually been really good. Um, he's been competitive. He's been hard, hard to um, play against during training, trainings as well. And um, yeah, he, I guess it just showed last night that he's he's doing the work, and he just needs to keep doing it. And us boys have got his back no matter what. So yeah.
1: And Luke, before we uh, let you go, you don't getting you don't get caught up in these types of things and it's probably uh, a little bit of a prisoner of the moment situation but you've got some games that are on the slate that that look good you go to tassie next week and and tackle the hawks so you know you'll you'll genuinely be able to enter that game with uh, a real confidence and belief that if you can bring what you brought yesterday you can make it two in a row
4: yeah absolutely we we're yeah, we've got so much confidence now off the, off the back of yesterday, and um, just that playing with freedom, um, keeping everything simple is going to go a long way into the game next five weeks. So um, we're going to put our yeah best foot forward and um, go into every game for the rest of the year now with um, you know just heaps of confidence.
1: Absolutely, and uh, well done on yesterday's performance. You were leading the charge alongside Jai Simpkin and. Cam Zohar, you had the uh, 28 touches, five tackles, and uh, we're in and amongst it as you have been all season long. So well done on on your form. Personally, I know it's been incredibly tough down there. You haven't won a lot of games, but a bit of reward for effort yesterday. Uh, well done, yep. Luke, and good luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, cheers, lads. Thanks for having me. There's Luke Davies. Uniac, one of the brightest uh, young stars, certainly at North Melbourne, but a bright young star in terms of one of those inside mids. Uh, Coons who can... Uh, win that first possession, the clearance, he's more agile and powerful than most probably think, and he was a driving force for the ruse yesterday.
2: Yeah, he'd be leading their best and fairest by a fair margin, you would think, and had a really consistent last month of footy as well, Luke Davies-Juniac, so he's been the the shining light for them for the majority of the year, and um, capped off another good performance yesterday, and they finally got a win, and would have had a few frosty cool ones themselves, I believe, last night, so uh, good on them, Uh, they deserve it, after... A pretty poor season and a shocking week. So, uh, to the victor Go the for Richmond. Well, they'd be as disappointed as anyone waking up this morning. They were horrible in front of goal. They certainly had their opportunities in terms of inside fifties. So they they finished up plus twenty one. So uh, Jack, uh, Noah Cumberland, yes. all with Mrs. Noah Bolton, Shea Bolton in the last quarter. Oh, gee, they had they had multiple opportunities to win this game and. Um, just kicked themselves out of it.
1: Yeah, they did. Uh, For Hawks fans, at 11.45, around 11.45, assistant coach Adrian Hickmont will join us from the MCG to preview uh, the big game at the home of footy, Hawthorne and West Coast. And we'll have West Coast assistant, we're uh, fair here at SEM, we like to hear both sides of the story. Daniel Pratt will join us uh, around 12 p.m. as well. So we'll preview uh, that game and, and all the other games, but just... Going back on uh, a bit of a recap on yesterday's results, Uh, we've already spoken a little bit about Collingwood's win over Adelaide. We'll deep dive into all of these games as the show goes on. But the Pies, 14-7, 91, got over the top of a gritty Adelaide. And we tend to say that most weeks. They're gritty, but they're not threatening. 13-8, 86. We know now Nick Dacos had 40-3 in uh, one of the most uh, unbelievable tackling games I think we'll have ever seen. We've had to dive into the record brook, uh, record books in terms of tackles. Rory Laird did in fact break the AFL VFL record with 20 tackles. But the Pies win another close game. Coons they are just making a habit of it. You can mount the argument that three or four times they're lucky. Six, seven, eight, nine times. You've got to give them credit for being really cool in a tough situation.
2: Well, they they are the masters of it at the moment. I'm not sure why they want to get themselves in these sorts of situations where they have to fight and scrap to even get themselves back into the contest. But they found themselves in that position again yesterday. And that was both Dacos brothers really stepping up in the last quarter to get it done. The Crows are on the right path. They are a really strong um, contested side. They're reasonable in clearance, a really strong tackling side. and, And the weather... Um, was a testament to that, and, and were, the effort that they brought yesterday, um, they were able to fight and scrap, but they just, you're right, they just don't have the polish um, at the moment, and it was the, the silk, I suppose, of the some of the younger Collingwood players that got them over the line, but yeah, it's one again, we, we say about the Adelaide Crows, they, they put in that effort, but the polish isn't there, and uh, they got off to a good start last week against um, Hawthorne was a shocker, six goals to one against, and they fought them, fought their way back, and it was the opposite yesterday. But oh, gee, I mean, he is a start, Nick Daykos uh, two clutch goals as well in the, in the final term, forty disposals. It's got to be the the best first year ever produced in AFL.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, we'll have a, a really good look at that game uh, after our uh, first break up there in Canberra. It was the Lions. I thought this might have been a. As uh, Ed- Nat Edwards likes to say, a banana peel game for the Lions, but fifteen nine ninety nine knocked off the Giants nine five fifty nine in the end. It was a comfortable victory. Hugh McCluggage, he was outstanding twenty nine disposals. Straight, Hugh. And he kicked four <laughs> goals one at uh, Coons. He was he was absolutely easily the best man on the ground up there in Canberra.
2: Yeah, he certainly was, and uh, the, the only real knock on his game is has been his finishing in front of goal, and rectified that yesterday. Four goals won, five hundred and forty metres gained, a uh, few clearances to go with that. So it was just about the complete game from Hugh McCluggage, which um, the only area that has. Um, been a knock on him was his finishing, so yeah, terrific. And that was it was sort of that, that, that. There's always a game hidden in the afternoon, isn't yep, there? That yeah. sort of slides under the radar. And and this was the one. GWS had a couple of cracks at it, but um, yeah, Brisbane just too strong. And it's all about September for the Lions. We'll we'll certainly judge them um, when the going gets tough and see what they can produce because they have fallen uh, at most hurdles um, when it's got into that nitty gritty. Um, so. Remains to be seen whether they are a genuine premiership fancy as well. We spoke about Geelong flexing their muscle. Obviously, we think Melbourne will be in it, and then from there, it could be Sydney, Frio, but Brisbane are another sort of unknown, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they certainly are. And as we just heard in our conversation with Luke Davies, Uniak, the Roos fans are rejoicing this Sunday morning after knocking off the Tigers fourteen eight ninety two to. Eleven twenty-two eighty-eight. 22 88 Richmond could not hit the side of a barn door yesterday, Jack Revolt kicked two goals, six, Noah Cumberland kicked three goals, four, uh, Shea Bolton missed a couple, Curvis missed a couple, and uh, a handful of other players missed set shots as well, so Richmond will be uh, absolutely filthy on themselves, Coons, for letting that one slip, but Credit to North. They made all the running. They jumped out to a big lead. They're up by 30-odd points at, at different stages and, and in the end, deserve to win that game of football.
2: Yeah, they certainly did. And uh, when you don't kick straight, sometimes that can be the difference. But, yeah, it did look like they, they played with that sort of freedom uh, that a caretaker coach does bring into the side. And I mentioned before, it looks like, looked like they were happy to sort of share it around and try and work their way through Richmond um, with a high handball game. And When you get your hands on the footy, sometimes you can overpossess it. But as uh, midfielders, all you want is hand on Sharon. And they did that. They got themselves into the game. Um, You mentioned the the game from Jai Simpkin, nine clearances around the footy. Coleman Jones as well worked really well um, with the 18 disposals and and him and Todd Goldstein. So, yeah, it was a a good performance from the Roos. But, I mean, probably more, which is strange because it was probably more disappointing for Richmond Mm. rather than how good it was for North
1: Melbourne. Yeah, it was, a, it was a strange old day for the Tigers and two games we'll have a really, really good look at uh, as we move forward. Geelong 12-13-85 defeated Carlton 8-7-55 and the Swannies went to the west and knocked off Fremantle 11-16-82, defeating Fremantle 9-11-65. Chad Warner, probably almost certainly the best man on the ground, but we'll have a deep dive into both those games as we move forward. We're going to have a really good look at Collingwood knocking off the Crows after the break. That was the Saturday wrap for werribee Zuzu Upgrade your old Ute into D-Max now. They are paying top dollar for trade-ins. You are listening to Sunday Crunch Time.
6: The award-winning Crunch Time. Yeah, we, we've, built, we've built we've built it up probably from Thursday, but all year we've we've had this mantra of honouring the jumper. We want to honour the past, you know, Collingwood greats and the history of it and, and every bit of it. And we've slowly but surely, you know, working through that. And then, um, yeah, we had Ash Johnson debut today, and every time we have a debutant, we talk about honouring the jumper and have a past person to present to it. Um, today we talked about honouring Pendles, so the, mes- the message was honour Pendles. And the guy that has worn the jumper more than any other person in the history of our club. Um, and we talk some detail around that. He's got
1: him humming, Craig McRae. Welcome back to Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camels call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Kerns, has got him humming, Craig McRae. He's just got a, a little bit of that Richmond-ish, that spirit, that uh, intangible about him, hasn't he? He's just, uh, he just goes that extra Uh, extra little mile or the extra inch uh, I should say to just make sure his boys are are all in sync and ready to rock and roll.
2: Yeah he seems to be a really relationship driven coach albeit in his infancy so that could change over time when he gets a bit grumpier (laughs) but uh, things are going really well uh, Collingwood at the moment. Every player that they've introduced this year uh, has has played a role come in. I mean Carmichael yesterday comes in and Produces six clearances, 24 disposals. We mentioned the last quarter from, from Dacos, Josh, and obviously the performance from Nick and. and getting up and about for Scott Pendlebury, 126 tackles yesterday <laughs> shows uh, the spirit of this Collingwood side down in the first half on form. Uh, the Crows were playing really well, handled the conditions better. Uh, were a bit tougher and stronger and cleaner when the ball was on the deck, which was for most of the first half and certainly most of the afternoon because it was a wet one at the Adelaide Oval. But yeah, when uh, the, the spirit of this side um, is unbelievable in Craig McRae's first year and the performances that they're getting when they are down and they, and they lift and get over the top is going to bode really well for the future and possibly even in September when they, when they are in a tight contest, if they do get there, they are gonna, they're going to lift. They know that they can come from behind and, and win these close games. They've done it so many times this year.
1: Well, they were down by uh, double figures, more than two goals on three or four different occasions yesterday and they just found a way to win and, and and now a little bit about that is and we'll talk about Adelaide's lack of uh, you know firepower and you know unless it's Tex Walker who did kick five unless he kicks seven or eight they, they struggle to find a way to put teams away but is Craig McRae now we've got some candidates of course there's there's four or five guys coaches who could put their hand up but in your mind Coons is he the coach of the year Craig McRae?
2: Well, I think he, he's certainly up there. I mean, Chris, there's a pretty good argument for, for Chris Scott and what he's been able to do with, with that group this year as well, tinkering game style. And um, obviously Simon Goodwin is, is a pretty handy coach yep. as well. Michael Voss in his first year. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot. But what he's been able to do with this group um, in such a short space of time, I mean, no one predicted that that Collingwood would, would be playing this well um, so early into his coaching tenure. So, yeah, he's, he's made every post a winner so far. Um, I mentioned that coaches do get grumpier over time. So um, hopefully he can keep that, that cool head. And it, it does look like he's really uh, invested heavily into his players in his first um, first few months at the club and obviously built those relationships really quickly. And the players love him.
1: Now, Kearns, can you remember your uh, PB in terms of uh, tackles in a single game? Oh, I, I could tell you that it probably wouldn't have been more than three. Uh, uh, oh well, there was some, there was some, there were some outrageous numbers yesterday. Now Rory Laird, of course, uh, he headlines uh, this act. He had twenty tackles at twelve at half time, broke the all time AFL record. His teammate Sam Berry had seventeen, but then from a Collingwood perspective, because amazingly Collingwood won the tackle count. Uh, Lipinski had thirteen, Maynard had twelve, Pendlebury had twelve, Crisp had ten. Josh Carmichael had eight, McCreary had seven, Sidebottom had seven. It was, it was one of the uh, strangest uh, statistical games of all time considering how many tackles there were, but there was still plenty of scoring. It was 91 to 86, so it wasn't like it was a 30 to, to 34 slot. It was just a strange old game in terms of the tackle numbers.
2: It was a, it was actually a really entertaining game to watch. So some of those slogfests in the wet can be quite boring, um, and sort of kicking up and back. And the, it, there was a lot of fumbling. The ball was pretty slippery it was like a cake of soap but um, so there was a lot of opportunity to tackle but it was a really entertaining contest I mean we, we saw both sides not take a backward step um, the, the first half what uh, um, Adelaide were doing trying to generate the spare with Jordan Dawson and then um, the battle with Steele side bottom it was a really dangerous um, option for both sides because Steele was trying to get up around the footy and he was being it was really clean with his disposal and was getting some good inside 50s from that and then a lot of times they kick forward and Jordan Dawson, the, the spare... Was intercepting and they got some good drive off half back, so it was a pretty intriguing battle with that in the wet, with both sides um, sort of having their moments. Um, And then after half time, Collingwood really got to work. So it was, although it was a a wet, sort of sloppy encounter with um, the ball hitting the deck and a lot of players fumbling, it was actually still a really entertaining contest. And um, I thought the game from Riley Dilthorpe was one of his uh, best for his career, particularly in the first half. Really got him going in the second quarter and um, it looks like he's sort of found a home as that uh, mobile ruck that can go forward working with Riley O'Brien so um, you mentioned Tex Walker and Darcy Fogarty's sort of starting uh, starting yep, to turn the yep. corner now for me I, I think he's sort of he knows that he's a big strong body uh, he's sort of like the, the, the Tex Walker junior yeah. but just his last few weeks I think he's turned the corner I think he might make it.
1: Yeah I agree He's uh, he's definitely turned the corner in the past Four or five weeks that's for sure Kearns. you had 10 tackles in a game against the Kangas in 2007 what? so You're was that rocket E era we rocket might have given you a rocket and you got after a few
2: yeah maybe I might have had seven in the last quarter because he probably said if you don't tackle I'm dropping you next week <laughs> uh yeah i'm I'm surprised that I got into double figures for tackles that's uh, sure. how many did you have you would have got you would have had Similar to me, you didn't tackle a lot. Oh, I had had a six sneak, or
1: seven. Not a sneaky day. I don't want to throw the number out there. I'll let uh, Benny Lyon uh, s- just slip you a piece of paper. Double because, figures. Yeah, I had a nice day at the G one day. Uh, um, I actually, um, tripped over my own feet when I saw the scoreboard and it said I'd had eight tackles in the first half, and I tripped over. I, I thought it was a <laughs> thought it was a typo. Uh, and a man you you played a lot of footy against. He's still going. Played game three fifty yesterday. Scott Penelbury. talk to us about. For those of us who haven't spent uh, uh, any or or much time around him, around the footy and around the contest, just what type of player is he? Is he vocal? Is he physical? What's he like to play against Scotty Penelbury? He's actually more physical and more vocal than
2: what you think. So You're sort of watching him. He seems to cruise around, but you're really strong through the core, so you can't push him off the contest and we know what happens when he gets the ball and um, seems to be able to create space and people run past him and around him. So he's always had that ability. But, yeah, he's, he's obviously re- – he's really tough as well to be to be able to um, – have the longevity that he has. you have to be an ultimate professional as well, but really diligent and play through pain. And he's been able to do that for um for a lot of his career. You don't get to 350 games and and play everyone feeling 100%. So he's obviously really tough, really resilient and professional. And yeah, he just sort of sneaks up on you too when you're around a contest. Yep. You sort of think he's sort of. A bit like Robert Harvey sometimes when they when he used to put his hands on his knees and and feign that he was tired and then away he'd go. So he never stops moving. these the midfielders around stoppage that that keep on the move, never flat footed are, are the hardest ones to stop. And he's been able to do that for
1: his whole career. And gee, he might even get to four hundred. He may well. You'd you'd have to be backing him in to get the four hundred the way he's going. Now we spoke about Rory Laird's, uh record tackling day. We will speak more about Nick Dacos in a moment, but there was a, another uh, record or another amazing number in yesterday's game. Collingwood's Josh Carmichael had uh, 24 disposals coons, all kicks, not a <laughs> solitary. In today's footy, that yep. is absolutely remarkable. And I uh, just saw a, a, a tweet from at uh, Swamp. He's the main man in terms of the stats on on Twitter. And he said Josh Carmichael is the first player to have. No handballs and 24 or more kicks in a VFL-AFL game since Gary Ablett in 1993. And a little bit of humour from Swamp. He said the two of them kicked 15 goals, 7 between them. (laughs) So Gary's just chimed in for 14 goals, 7. But what a performance from Carmichael. 24 touches, all kicks.
2: Yep, played the conditions to absolute perfection. He burnt a few yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you have twenty four kicks and no handballs, you, you're going to. But no, he was he was again uh, another one who was really clean and and really crisp. I'm on the AFL um, website at the moment where you you look at the players' stats, and I had a look at his um, just before with the, t- the twenty four four hundred and forty eight metres gained, six clearances. Uh, 111 fantasy points and no photo. He doesn't. He, he, he doesn't even have a photo on the AFL website. So uh, he'll have to get that one updated pretty quickly. And the number 45 too. That's a heavy one.
1: He'll, yeah, have, to, um, he'll
2: have to drop that down. He'll have to drop that down. But, so, uh, no, he was he was terrific yesterday. He played the conditions to perfection.
1: He needs uh, a lower number. He needs a photo, a headshot, and he needs to handball. So uh, <laughs> he's got a few things to work on. But it was an outstanding performance from the young man at one now we will speak about Nick Dakos. now I remember and can you may remember around draft time there was a lot of chatter about Nick Dakos because he he was the story was he was disappointed he wasn't um nominated by the teams who had picks higher than Collingwood so it was sort of a given that Collingwood were gonna you know bid for him so it was like oh uh, what's the point and he was disappointed that that those teams higher up weren't after him and and, and at the time, he copped a bit of criticism. I thought, oh, it's great. He's got ambition. He wants to be the best. Well, guess what? He is the best. He looks absolutely <laughs> outstanding. 40 touches and three goals. He was the difference in yesterday's game.
2: Yeah, yeah, he he certainly was. And, yeah, it goes to show his competitiveness and his drive. So he's he's got that... Um, in him and you can be as flashy and as skillful and have all the poison class in the world if you don't have that competitive drive or you're not going to last too long at afl level so he's got that he's got every attribute to be a superstar and he almost is already i mean just what he's able to do so he knows when to defend and he knows when to sit back he just reads it so well um behind the footy and his skill and his poise he plays obviously beyond his years, and he just doesn't make a mistake uh, yesterday he played like it was a dry game. Um, he used the ball really well every time it came near him he didn't fumble. he steps inside and makes decisions yeah. he's not afraid to pull the trigger on that forty five kick and gee, it was good yesterday I mean I mean forty and three it says it, but two two goals in the last quarter and um, just about hit a target with every one of the 40.
1: Yeah, it was absolutely outstanding. And uh, just quickly, we've got to get a breakaway, but I just want to hear uh, Coach Craig McRae's views on Jack Ginevan. It's hard to get a, a Collingwood game away without talking about uh, Jack Ginevan at the moment, but here's what Coach Craig McRae had to say, had to say about his young
6: gun, small forward. Yeah, I think Jack's um, – my message to Jack just after the game was that um, I just want him to keep attacking the footy yard. What comes of it? You know, whether it's a high tackle or a whatever it is and, Or holding the ball Just keep attacking the footy hard I, I, Again I when he came to the bench today And I thought I, he just had this moment Because it was a wet weather day He just had to keep turning up to contests I thought he was sort of just getting away from it Anticipating we are going to win it In the dry we'd probably do But in the wet he needed to come back So um, yeah you know, he's in his f- really first year He's played 19 games or something now So um yeah, look, I just want him to attack the footy hard. That's my message to him. Is he becoming a victim or misunderstood? Well, I think if you're a victim, you think you are. I think he just needs to keep attacking the footy hard. Up, um, we don't make excuses. We don't look for, for blame. Um, umpires make mistakes, and they get some right and wrong. I've said that week, weeks gone by, and um, yeah, I don't want to really play the blame game or the excuse game.
1: And just quickly, Coons, what, what do you make of the Ginevan situation? Because there's a lot of talk about you know the boy who cried wolf and him not getting some free kicks yesterday. Where do you sit on all of this?
2: Well, I, I, I hate the look of a player dropping their knees and raising the arm to try and draw a free kick. So I was really glad that the umpire uh, let that one incident that he had yesterday go because he clearly... And it was, it was two steps. So he picks up the footy and then... Take, he took two steps and then lowered his centre of gravity again and then raised the arm to draw the free kick. So, And the umpire, I thought, um, played it really well. That, But the, the issue with him doing that was he probably missed one or two that he should have got later mm-hmm. in the game. So um, so, and he's got no-one to blame but himself. So if you're going to go with that action, the umpires are clearly um, uh, picking up on it now. And unfortunately, he's going to miss a couple because of that. So I think now... Um, it, That'll um, eradicate out of his game pretty quickly because he's umpires onto it, the crowd's onto it. Everyone knows now that he's going to play for that. So he's not going to get it. Um, Just uh, go back to doing what he does best, uh, which is attacking the footy and trying to score. So uh, I I think that's the last we'll see of that action from Ginneman.
1: I agree. I absolutely agree. Well said, Adam Kearney. All right, let's get a uh, breakaway because on the other side, we're going to be speaking to Hawthorne assistant coach Adrian Hickmont before their big clash against the Eagles. The,
5: the award winning Crunch Time.
1: Crunch time. Uh, welcome back. Crunch Time. Uh, creeping closer to midday. Adam Kearney's at the MCG, readying himself for a big clash between Hawthorne and the West Coast Eagles, and momentarily we'll be speaking with Hawthorne assistant coach Adrian Hickmon about the Hawks' plans for the afternoon against uh, an Eagles side Coons who have been uh, terrible for the first three quarters of the season, but the past three or four weeks they've been really competitive and and really spirited.
2: Been okay. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, Let's okay. not pump Sorry. them up too much. I mean, Sorry, they've, Eagles they've been fans. all right. <laughs> They've beaten Essendon uh, in the in the last month. So, but yeah, you're right. They've been a bit more competitive than the first half of the year. But overall, still um, really disappointing season 2022 for the Eagles. And they've got some of those stars back now. So obviously, Nick Nat out injured today, hurts. Um, and they've got four or five other in. So it hasn't really been a settled lineup at all this year for the Eagles. So there are a few obvious obvious excuses there. But they've still haven't been at the level that we expected them to be hopefully they can get back to it today.
1: Well, it's 13th v 17th but it all of a sudden becomes an important game for West Coast uh, in a couple of different ways because uh, in one on one hand you don't want to win the wooden spoon on the other hand you wouldn't mind the number one pick in the national draft so there's a bit riding on this game for West Coast in terms of uh, whether they uh, want to win or lose. Well
2: if Long long term, you obviously want to lose this game. You want to be competitive, uh, but you want to finish 18th and get the number one draft pick. I mean, it seems odd that we're saying that, but if you want to, the best thing that West Coast can do for the rest of this season is is be really competitive and
1: lose every game, so they get the best kid in the country. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a strange thing to say, but uh, it happens happens all over the world. Do you give them much of a chance or any chance against the Hawks? The Hawks have been. Up and down, probably, not definitely more down than up. They were good last week against the Crows, but had lost their past four before that. Do you expect Hawthorne to take care of West Coast? Uh,
2: I think this will be a reasonably close encounter. I mean, if Hawthorne play at their best, I mean, obviously Sam Mitchell lets them play with some freedom. If they can get some good run, I expect them to be a bit too slick for West Coast at the MCG. Um, they should be able to use the wide expanses and, and go around them. Will Day comes back into the side, some good run from Giath off half back. They should be too slick, but you just never know with Hawthorne. Again, a young younger team, uh, you get those peaks and troughs, and they have been inconsistent at times this year as well.
1: Yeah, they uh, they most certainly have been. I think there's been enough uh, grand shoots to steal a Brendan Bolton-ism, uh, <laughs> a Brendan Bolton-ism uh, from the Hawks. We've seen some good performances. Their best footy is pretty exciting, isn't it? They they can run and gun, and CJ can really drive things off the halfback flank. Mitch Lewis has been absolutely outstanding in the front half uh, this season as well. Uh, Hawthorne assistant coach Adrian Hickmont is here with us. He's... Uh, been uh, doing plenty of coaching down there uh, at the moment, so we're lucky to be able to grab him for a few moments. Adrian, thanks for your time before what is uh, a pretty important game. In, uh, in, and in terms of the weather, they're telling me I'm, I'm inside, but they're telling me it's just starting to get a little bit gloomy.
3: Yeah, g'day, guys. Um, yeah, like a little, little bit of spitty rain here, but not too much. Um, makes the ball stick and probably makes it more fun, doesn't it, for the players?
1: Uh, how have you seen, how have you judged uh, your season? I guess as coaches, you're always, uh, you know, looking week to week, but you're sitting back just uh, having meetings and discussions about your overall game style and how your plan's coming together. How have you seen the season as a whole?
3: Yeah, spot on. Uh, and like I said, we do we do that, look at our game style, how it's come together week by week and uh, the development of the younger players and, you know, the leaders within the group, our experienced players how they're leading and are they leading each other and are they leading as a group. Um, our games have been up and down in consistency um, in the contest also so we want to be uh, you know consist- consistent in that area. And then we work around that after, you know, with our game style and what it looks like. So
2: it is an offensive game style at times. Is, is that the first thing that Sam Mitchell wanted to work on with this group to let them play with that sort of freedom and, and take whatever they want, the, the kick inside and get some good run off half back? Is that is that the first sort
3: of piece of the puzzle that Sam Mitchell was trying to put together? Uh, yeah, within reason. You know, there's the ball. You've got to win the ball first, don't you? Centre bounces. They start with a 50-50 contest in the ruck. So we're pretty keen to have our men. And work really hard in that area, and then off comes um, yeah our ball movement. You now we want to um, make sure that we have our guys feel freedom within a um, you know within a system. So within that system, this is how we like to play, boys, and then uh, go for it after that. Not including we need to defend as well. So the three areas of the game are really important. But the way we move the ball for our forwards um, and our mids is you know it's, it looks good, and sometimes it doesn't come off the way we want it to, and we'll just keep working that slowly.
1: Adrian, what did you love most about last week's win over Adelaide? It was a, it was a really comprehensive performance. You'd been on a, a bit of a losing skid before that. What, what what was most impressive about last week's win against the Crows?
3: Yeah, it was a nice win. Um, I think the overall effort, you know, the effort from all the men on the ground. Um, I've mentioned the contest itself and the it consisted in four quarters, uh, in a third quarter. Adelaide come back at us and, and there's a bit of momentum swing. Um, we were pleased that we held that and then went on from there.
1: And you're uh, pretty familiar with uh, what you'll see and what you'll be facing this afternoon. What are the threats with West Coast? Of course, that you know, the early half, the early part of the season, excuse me, they were absolutely decimated by COVID and injury. But we've seen them improve and, and, and play a more spirited game. They were really good against Richmond at the MCG a few weeks ago. So what are you expecting from, from a team that you know really well?
3: Yeah, well, the same thing. So I was just seeing a few of the blokes then. Um, you know, their, their passion for the game, the love for the game um, shows every week. Their team now is starting to become more consistent. Uh, and, you know, the midfielder, a good midfield, strong midfielder and can play, can play football with experience down forward. And, um, you know, Tom Brass and Young woods down back, I definitely know how to defend, so overall we, we think, um, yeah, they're playing good footy, definitely played good footy last week in a couple of quarters, and um, so we, we must you know work with that and um, you know, do our best to compete against that.
2: Nick New out uh, for them, is that an area that you want to expose today?
3: Yeah, well, Young Williams and Jamison um, will, um, will most probably be rucking against them, and they Good young fellas that are, you know, show big promise, so um, we won't be underestimating the two young guys but um, you know, Ned Rees and Big Boy um, will go about their business and you know our midfield need to step up because their midfield have been doing the same thing and getting, fit, getting fitter each week, so that'll be a good challenge.
2: Will Day back into the side, tell us, tell us about his progression, he's obviously had a wretched run with injuries, where's his best position?
3: Yeah, yes, uh, he's a good young man, Will, he's definitely got a lot of talent. Um, the way he plays, he has had injuries. He's worked his way through that. Uh, missed last week, comes out back into the side. Yeah, uh, look, he looks good off a halfback flank and wing, so we'll just assess that as the game goes on. And, um, you know, he'll find his place. Uh, the back line at the moment have got a good young group of kids, uh, young fellas in there. So, um, you know, wingish area, midfield. Um, in those kind of areas, we hope to see him. But look, he's uh, he's got huge talent. And um, once he gets consistency into his game, hopefully set him down into A spot.
1: Adrian, uh, good luck this afternoon. You'll go in as uh, heavy favourites, particularly on the back of last week's really strong performance. So all the best for this afternoon. and Hopefully your Hawks can get the job
3: done. Good on you guys. Thanks for the chat. That's
1: Adrian Hickmont, assistant coach at the Hawks. He knows the Eagles well. He spent time uh, as an assistant coach over there with the West Coast as well, so um, could be a, a, a sneaky, a, a sneaky exciting game for you, Coons, at the MCG this afternoon. Well, I hope so. I hope it's. I hope the
2: weather holds out for one. Um, there are a few grey clouds overhead, but I want to see some good offense. I love ball movement; it excites me. So, hopefully, both sides can <laughs> have a crack today.
1: All right. Well, we'll chat to uh, the other foe in this game. Uh, West Coast assistant Daniel Pratt will join us. On the other side of 12 o'clock, and we'll uh, continue to dive deeply as only Adam Cooney and I can into the rest of round 18. You're listening to Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shop's answer. The camels call Thirsty Camel Bottle Shop. This is Crunch Time. We'll be back soon. The The award winning Crunch Crunch Time. Welcome to Crunch Time. Josh Jenkins in the chair for Nat Edwards. Adam Cooney is my wingman for the next uh, hour as we count down to Hawthorne and West Coast. This is Crunch Time. This is a pregame show for Thirsty Camel. Answer the Camels call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shop. Yesterday we saw five big, big games of footy across round 18. Adelaide and Collingwood played out a thriller. The Pies again winning a close game. 14 upended Adelaide by five points, 13 8 The Lions went and got the job done in Canberra, defeating the Giants by 40 points. That doesn't help the case for Mark McVay in his desire to get the full-time gig as coach of the Giants. The Ruse, yes, the Ruse got the job done against the Tigers. The Tigers kicked 11 goals, 22. They will be kicking themselves for the way they kicked so inaccurately at goal. And last night, two very, very good games of footy. The Cats, they were too strong for Carlton, 12 13 85, knocked off the Blues, 8 7 55. And it was the Swanies going west and bowling over Fremantle, 11 16 82. So, Fremantle, 9-11-65. It was a big day of footy, Adam Cooney. And uh, all in all, most of the results were as expected, except for that Kangaroos game.
6: Yeah,
2: I suppose you could, you could argue that the, the Sydney victory um, was an incredible one over Fremantle, who were playing really well. Yeah, but the, the big shock yesterday was the spirit in which North Melbourne played. And to get over the line um, was magnificent. And the way that
1: Richmond kicked the footy was horrible, particularly in front of goal. Indeed. All right, let's get stuck in because uh, West Coast assistant coach Daniel Pratt has been uh, good enough to join us and uh, he's there down on the boundary line at the MCG. Daniel, thanks for joining myself, Josh Jenkins and Adam Cooney.
7: Uh, Thanks, boys. Good to be
1: here. How are You used to uh, travelling a lot but uh, the boys are ready to rock and roll a long day or so in the uh, hotel but you finally made it to the G and ready to uh, get this thing on.
7: Yeah, the boys are excited. Uh, we don't get lots of opportunities at the G. I think we played uh, here a couple of weeks ago, but before that, it's a bit of a dry spell. So, uh, yeah, the boys are really excited to uh, put on a bit of a show at the, at the home of footy.
1: Yeah, I imagine uh, that they are. And your form's been uh, somewhat improved. You uh, were really competitive in a game against uh, Richmond uh, two or three weeks ago. Uh, so you must be pleased to see you know, a real upshift in, in, uh, in performance from your guys.
7: Yeah, we've had some continuity with the, the group uh, over the last probably eight weeks and the form, you know, we played some good teams, played Geelong as well in there and we're really competitive. So we've been competitive, but, uh, you know, we want to win. So uh, hopefully today we can put another foot forward and uh, and get a, a W. Well,
2: it has been more of a settled lineup as you mentioned, over the last eight weeks, but you've uh, got a few changes today. Willardon, Jamison, Coley, Cripps, uh, O'Neill come into the side. Um, uh, Unfortunately Nick Nuttnew is out so how do you uh, plan around Nick not being there?
7: Uh, uh, Jamison played in the ruck last week in the rain it looks like it's going to get a bit wet today so uh, in the waffle which is a handy lead in Uh, he's a a real competitor and he's only young so does take time for the young tools to get going but he's uh, developing quickly Uh, and then obviously hopefully Nick's back available uh, as of next week.
2: So the Hawks. Uh, what do you look at during the week? Uh, we've been speaking a little bit about them this morning. They like to play a really high uh, offence style game of footy. What um, were the main things that stood out when you had a look at the Hawks during the week?
7: Oh, well, they're very aggressive with how they uh, attack the game. So they get up high and you know play through the corridor and try to get you at the back. So uh, we've looked at that. Um, you know, really important to get our our contest right and. If we can defend well and get our contest right, like everyone says every week, it uh, gives yourself a good opportunity to um, hit the scoreboard.
1: Now you're in charge of the defenders and um, the defensive system. You've conceded a lot of marks inside uh, your D50, so you know opposition forwards taking marks. What's the balance there between you know you trying to upskill and, and, and school your uh, back six or seven versus you know getting more pressure on the ball and and making those entries a lot uh, more difficult for the forwards to get on the end of.
7: Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a balancing act. Uh, we've had a lot of supply against as well. So there's times when we're, we're holding up really well in that space and then they just, you just get overwhelmed with a lot of repeat entries and they get the, the short marks inside 50. Uh, but you know, we're focusing really hard on craft across our whole group. We've got a lot of young guys in. We've got a couple of young key defenders coming through as well who've had some great experiences on good forwards over the last few weeks. So that, along with Tommy Brass, who's been rock solid. he's been had a great year. Uh, he's held up all year. Uh, Missing McGovern and yo has been a little bit hard, but uh, those other boys have come along well.
1: Yeah, and it will be a, uh, a good battle. Baras, I imagine. You don't necessarily have to give it away, but I think it kind of speaks for itself. Baras v Mitch Lewis who has been one of the inform uh, key forwards in the competition, so that could potentially be a really good 1v1 battle.
7: Yeah, well, they'll play on each other. Uh, you know, Baras is in good form and, and Lewis is in good form, so... Probably our goal is to deny supply, and that denies the opportunity for him to get involved. So he's alive wire at the moment, and he's uh, looking really dangerous.
2: And the middle of the ground, uh, your key midfielder in there is Tim Kelly. How have you seen his year?
7: Yeah, he's he's along with probably Tommy Barras. They've been the two who have uh, been consistent for most of the year, and and their performances have um, backed that up as well. So uh, Tim's been in, in uh, as good a form as I've seen him at the club, and uh, he's paid us back for. Um, you know him coming over so uh, we're really excited about what what he can bring going forward as well when we get a few more boys back.
1: You've played 46 or something ridiculous amount of players this year more than most teams have actually got uh, to play and clearly you've called on some top-ups and 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 some and some different players at different stages have you have you found a few do you think as a coaching group that you've potentially found a few that you you've had to expose and you didn't think may have been ready, but they've proven to you that they are and they might have a future at the top level?
7: Yeah, well, Jai Cully plays his first game today. He got picked up in the mid-season draft, Um, so that's exciting for him. He's a a langy boy, so I'm sure they have 50 tickets today. There's a fair fair few free (laughs) tickets, it looks like. But um, you've got uh, Hoff, uh, Bazo, two young guys who we drafted last year who have now come in the team and not only, um, you know, got a game but they're playing their roles so we've got to blood a few uh, younger players and we've got to try some guys in different positions uh, Foley played forward last week um, Jamison's played fullback and in the ruck so we've had to throw things around a little bit as well so um, we've, we've got to see where our list is really at uh, unfortunately we haven't been able to win enough games to um, get us in a position to you know be competitive in September at the moment
1: yeah all right Daniel we'll let you go um, good luck this afternoon Give yourselves a a, a very good chance at uh, upending the the more fancied Hawks. But uh, good luck against uh, the Hawks this afternoon. Good luck to your backs and your team as a whole.
7: Cheers, lads. Have a good one.
1: That's Daniel Pratt, uh, the defensive coach for West Coast. And they'll give themselves a little sneaky chance, Coons.
2: Yeah, they will. There's no doubt about it. And if it uh, is wet... And turn it into a good old-fashioned slog. I think that might suit the Eagles because, as we've mentioned a few times, the Hawks love to move the footy quickly, and it is just started raining at the
1: G. Oh no, 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 no! Let's jump back across. Now, we spoke about this in the first hour, but uh, we've just had about uh, three hundred thousand uh, new listeners join us on eleven sixteen Coon. So we'll get stuck back into uh, this game, which surprised us all. It was the Kangaroos fourteen eight ninety two over Richmond, uh, 11-22-88. And I want to firstly go to Damian Hardwick because uh, he spoke about Richmond killing Richmond and this is what he had to say.
6: Yeah, and you'll know that. We know that.
1: The fact of the matter is we're not in that situation. You know, until you're in that situation, you don't know. Um, So, look, what we're going to realise, players try and win. You know, unfortunately, he probably made a decision that if he... Had his time again, he'd, he'd take back. But the reality is he made it. So um, we move on. And as you said, there's numerous reasons. You know, the last defensive 50 goal was poor. Um, we should have been better. Can't let a guy come from the other side of the pack and just stroll through. It was uh, ridiculous and probably sums up us, really. It's Richmond killing Richmond at the moment. All right, he wasn't was—I wouldn't say he was prickly, but he's probably a little bit, um, a little bit uh, grumpy with how things are going. Particularly their past two weeks, Coons—they lost the, you know, almost unlosable against Gold Coast last week, and and and, and they kicked themselves out of a game which they went in a dollar or something ridiculous like that. So it has not been a happy fortnight for those from Tigerland.
2: No, it might cost them a top eight position, but uh, look, I, I still think that they'll make it. They've certainly got some improvement if they want to um, do more than make up the numbers in the finals this year, if they do slide into that eighth position. But yeah, two disappointing weeks, uh, eight points gone begging for Richmond. And it was, yeah, well, we, well, we spoke about the um, the misses from Jack rewalt uh, Shea Bolton, Noah Bolter, uh, and Cumberland with four behinds during the game. So like, we spoke about that earlier, but they'd be more upset. We, and Damien Hargwick just mentioned, the, the stoppage goals that they gave up, particularly late in a game with with Zerhar just rolling straight through, uh, got goal side of, I think it might have been Grimes, and then just floated through. There's no defensive pressure uh, at the front of the stoppage at all. That's very unrichmond like um, yep. Jake Arts. So they had, then they had an opportunity to win the game from a behind. They actually played the opposite of of how they should. North Melbourne were trying to play on at every opportunity when they were trying to save the game with only <laughs> a minute to go. And, and they just needed to ice the clock. So that's a learning experience for a young North Melbourne side who should have sewn that game up and gone back and, and taken those uncontested marks and then taken 30 seconds off the clock. That would have been the end of the game. They played on. They both made mistakes. Then Richmond have an opportunity to go straight down the middle and get an uncontested mark inside 50 um, to Jake Arts. And for some inexplicable reason, he decided to play on. He should have had the shot. So they both sort of they both flipped the script, I suppose, of how you should play late in a game when you're up versus when you're behind. So, yeah, it was a strange game of footy. Uh, we should have known. Quite often you get a response from a side when when a coach gets sacked, which is an indictment really on on (laughs) players and and teams. And um, they spoke about, a number of players spoke about David Noble after the game that they were hurting. Well, he would have been absolutely ropeable watching that game yesterday thinking, why, oh why, (laughs) couldn't they have put this effort in and this performance in? for the majority of this season. So, Richmond are clearly on top in most of the statistical data. They Mm. should have won that game. Uh, They had plenty more scoring shots. They had plus 21 inside 50s. Um, So, it was a missed opportunity, but North Melbourne, they get the four points. And Luke Davies, Juniak, and his crew celebrated hard last night.
1: Yeah, they did, and as they should, because uh, there's a lot of downs in footy, even when you're not... Uh, losing as many games as the Roos are. There's a lot of tough times in footy, so when you get the, get the high, you may as well celebrate it because uh, otherwise, what's the point of it all? And I think uh, in terms of this game, and I want to ask you one more about Richmond before we focus on uh, the highlight that is the Kangaroos this morning. Uh, if Richmond don't make the eight, uh, Jack Revolt, I'm not certain whether he's signed a contract extension or one I would I would imagine will be coming or, or close to coming. If Richmond don't make the eight, I'm interested in your views on Revolt. I think he'll go around, but in terms of whether he's a guaranteed, you know, first twenty two guy next year, Trent Cochin's future and Shane Edwards' future. What's your views on Richmond if they don't, you know, if they miss the finals? I think Jack
2: goes round again. Uh, regardless if, if they missed the finals. On, I think his form has warranted another season. I did float the idea that he could just walk right. over to North Melbourne and, and play out a couple of seasons he there. shot if that Richard, down. <laughs> if, yeah, he wasn't happy with that. I think he said that I may have been concussed from, from doing some sparring. But he didn't quite rule it out completely he yeah. sort of uh, he he had a crack at me and then didn't rule it out so look I'm going to say that the door is ajar for him <laughs> to go to, an, to to go to another club there but look I, I yeah you know, I think his form warrants uh, another season he had plenty of opportunities again yesterday he's kicked um, he's kicked enough goals and, and he's still moving okay to play another year not sure about Cochin I think Edwards uh, does go around again um, too. So uh, you can't get rid of all your senior no. leaders at the same time because then you you have a void to fill and they could drop away significantly um, because of that. But, yeah, I think uh, maybe maybe only one of those three goes.
1: Yeah, okay. And from uh, North's point of view, and we should spend most of our energy and time on the Kangas because we've spent plenty of it on them uh, uh, laying the boots in when things have been go- going poorly. Uh, Lee Adams, Patch, Half-time, uh, he said he was sitting back thinking, how easy is this? And this is what he had to say <laughs> in the post-game.
7: Uh, it's just come down now, yeah. Um, yeah, half-time, we were thinking, how easy is this? And then, obviously, in that third quarter and fourth quarter, we knew they were going to come back at us really hard and uh, to the boys' credit, um, when we lost that lead, um, the character they showed to, to dig in and
1: continue to play the way we wanted to play was was sensational and, um, yeah, got some real reward in the end. And you have touched on it, Coons, but they did show a, a level of maturity. Of course, last week they are in a similar position and they coughed it up against Collingwood. But um, in the end, they found a way to get the four points. They found a way to get the job done and, and they'll learn a lot from that. You learn a lot in your losses, but sometimes when you're in the situation that North are in, you can learn even uh, even more from finding a way to win a tough game.
2: Yeah, and some of those younger players will certainly learn a lot out of the last two minutes. One, how to handle that situation again when you're up and you get your uncontested marks. Please don't play on and have a (laughs) shot from 45 or 50 metres out. Take the 30 seconds off the clock. And then also how to defend late. So there was a a quick behind... Everyone knows where the ball's going. It's going straight down the middle because this time is of the essence for Richmond. So and how to defend that as well late. So defending a game when you're up, and then also trying to defend uh, the quick play when the opposition are trying to go down the other end and score. So, but uh, look, it was it was a magnificent day. We, we've already uh, sung the praises of some of those individuals like Simpkin, Luke Davis-Uniak. Really good game from from Coleman Jones and um, Curtis Taylor. I think not not just uh, yesterday, but over the last few weeks. Curtis Taylor and Paul Curtis. I think over the last few weeks have started to look like um, they belong at the level. So some good signs from some of the younger players. Flynn Perez getting some good minutes into him now. So, um, yeah, so it was a, a magnificent performance from King, the Kangaroos. And there would have been, um, I'd say, maybe the control thrown at the TV from David Noble if he was watching yesterday.
1: You, yeah, you've got to feel for, uh, for Nobes because uh, he's been trying to get him to play with that spirit and... Tenacity all season, and often it takes for the coach to be removed for whatever strange reason for that to happen. Uh, Paul Curtis is one uh, I'm interested in your views on Coons, even when they've been getting belted, and 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 we gave them, or Geelong gave them a hiding down at GMHBA Stadium by 112 points. I think you covered this game, but even in that game, Curtis showed a little bit. He's dangerous. He's crafty. He's fast. He looks like a little, you know, up and back. A uh, high half forward who's going to be able to kick his, you know, goal a game and be quite creative.
2: Yep, spot on. Uh, he was a shining light in that game uh, at the Cats a few weeks ago, and looks so good. So, yeah, crafty little player. Quite we know how hard that sort of position is to play, and if you get your goal a game. Um, you stay in the team and starting to look, yeah, look like he, he belongs at the level. Crafty little fella. Obviously, when they get more opportunities inside fifty, uh, he'll get more looks at it. And um, if Larky and Zerhar can both play well together in the same game, that'd also um, help North Melbourne's cause, wouldn't
1: it? It would, yeah. Well, I guess that in a way,
0: he's
1: a good result that Larky had basically no impact on the game. Seven disposals only two marks, did not hit the scoreboard, yet they were able to win the game. And that was primarily because of Cam Zohar at halftime. Five kicks, five goals. That's as efficient as it gets in the end. He kicks the sealer or the match winner as well. He is out of contract. Um, All reports suggest he's put contract talks on hold. Uh, He's put them on hold um, just long enough for him to bob up and prove that he can be a match winner. What type of... um, player do you think he can become in a side that is you know performing better and giving him more opportunities and do you think opposition clubs might try and uh, whisk him out of the kangaroos oh absolutely after a
2: performance like that yesterday everyone sort of sits up and takes notice and other clubs say oh hang on he's out of contract he's put these talks on hold let's see what we can do he's i don't know he's sort of like a hybrid forward i'd like to see him play through the middle of the ground and then forward because I think it could be uh, sort of like a Jake Stringer-type stoppage player, then burst forward. Um, consistency is obviously the key for, for Zerhar, and it's been tough going in the forward line for North Melbourne. But if they can work that combination, as we mentioned, with Larky and Zerhar and become more consistent, then that helps North Melbourne straight away. But uh, the contract's on hold. I don't like the sound of that. How many... How many years and what sort of cash would you stump up for him? Well, I was uh, hoping to uh, go trade radio
1: uh, style. I was hoping to ask that question of you. Um, oh, I mean, he, he's he's going to command. Someone will jump up and, and offer him a significant contract. So uh, he, he's probably going to get offered somewhere in the vicinity of um, five to six hundred thousand dollars. I would have thought maybe six hundred thousand. Is that? Can you can you can you foresee something of that nature happening? Four years at six hundred, someone might offer him that to, to pinch him because you again, and and I harp on this fact, you can't offer them twenty grand more than than their current clubs offering them to get them out. You got to offer them cons, you know considerable uh, more amount of money. Now the other element to uh, to to luring them away will be saying you know bigger club finals, all those sorts of things. But would four by six hundred? Be something you could entertain, and as as a as a rival club trying to steal him,
2: yeah, I think there'd be a few clubs that would be willing to to stump that up. Um, uh, yeah, four years sounds about right, and it's going to be have to be between five and six hundred to to lure him away. Um, North Melbourne will probably pay that as well. Yes, to, to be honest with you, yep. you you're going to have to pay overs uh, generally for other clubs, but I think North Melbourne would be would be willing to to pay him that. Um, he's obviously hasn't hit his peak yet, but 500 to 600 isn't the, it's not the 600 grand. Um, Thank you. Of old, uh, when we used Thank to play you. back in our day, the the best and fairest uh, winners, at, seven time best and fairest winner Scotty West was on about that much. So yeah, your, your average player gets about 400 now. Mm. So you, your above average is about 500, and then obviously. Um, your upper echelons are sort of 800 plus. So, yeah, the the footy landscape has changed in terms of how we pay the players and obviously you overpay to, to get them from another club.
1: Absolutely, uh, you do. He's a 24-year-old, so, you know, the peak of his powers is probably, uh, you know, still in front of him. He's probably still got his prime uh, years ahead of him. A, a guy who, speaking of um, being pried away from an opposition club. Uh, Callum Coleman-Jones, he was uh, pinched from Richmond. Now, you know, speaking of Richmond and Jack Revolt's future, if Coleman-Jones or Mabby or Child was at Richmond, maybe that's a different conversation. But Coleman-Jones took the long-term contract offer from the Kangaroos. Uh, there's a lot of conversations about him being promised, you know, that he was going to be the number one rock, And then Tristan Cherry jumped up and performed better than he and Goldstein. Goldstein's still doing his thing. But yesterday was the first time or the first signs that we've probably seen from Coleman Jones to suggest that he will be a long-term player for the Kangas.
2: Yeah, and he's just his his movement around the ground was a, a thing that stood out for me. Um, he's pretty mobile for his size and, and worked really well together with Todd, Todd Goldstein. He's not quite ready to be the number one man yet in the ruck. So um, sort of that mobile forward backup ruck is a, is a great option for him at the moment. And yeah, you're right. That, that's the, the best sign that we've seen from him yesterday at AFL level.
1: Now I want to uh, quickly uh, before we uh, shoot off scoot off to our next break and I'm actually scooting off to go and watch uh, the great Michael Hurley make his comeback at VFL level uh, against Gold Coast out at Windy Hill so I'm looking forward to uh, shooting off and doing that so you might be doing the show if uh, Matt Hill turns up you'll be doing it with Matt Hill if no one turns <laughs> up you'll be, you'll be doing it by yourself uh, I'm interested in the in the in your views on the the, the coaching future or what it looks like moving uh, forward for the Kangaroos. A lot of talk about, you know, Ross Lyon and um, you know, names here and there, Clarkson and all these types of names. Is there someone that, that that hasn't been spoken about? I've got one in mind, but is there someone in your mind who hasn't been spoken about a lot who you think might jump up and be a really good candidate for the Kangaroos?
2: I had this uh, chat with Cameron Luke on the Armchair Experts and uh, he floated the idea of the name Don Pike possibly okay. to... To North Melbourne. So in terms of uh, risk, it's it's less risk than appointing another untried yeah, coach. Yeah. So it's going to be tough for, for Daniel G and Syracuse to get the job. It's going to be tough for Adam Kingsley because um, it's just too high a risk for North Melbourne to take. Obviously, they've got Alistair Clarkson not coaching, Ross Lyon, these names. But Don Pike is, is probably one who has had success at AFL coaching level already. And uh, from all reports, doing great things at the Sydney Swans still. So, look, he's won if they wanted to go that sort of less risk option um, rather than get the, the
1: big dog, uh,
2: Clark or Ross yep. Lyon. Who have you got in mind?
1: Well, a guy who uh, I he's had AFL experience, so he fits your criteria there nicely. Uh, he stepped away from the game. That worries me a little bit because he stepped away because it was sort of all-consuming and he wanted to have a break. But he's come back and returned with Collingwood, Justin Lepich uh, was was uh, the famed um, uh, man behind Richmond's defensive system with Grimes and Rance and those guys helping each other and the way they defended uh, the ground. And clearly, we felt the wrath of that when he was at the at the helm of the Tigers. I wonder whether Justin Lepich would throw his hat back into the ring. He's, he's a very respected and, uh, and well-known uh, football person. He's doing good things at Collingwood. Collingwood are going really well. I wonder whether North Melbourne might ask the question of him because he'll be a little more affordable than a Ross Lyon or an Alistair Clarkson, you would imagine, because that's a factor. Now, the the soft caps are going to go up next year by $500,000, but if you get a Clarkson or a Ross Lyon, you probably rob yourself of one, maybe two other coaches in your football department.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's going to have to be half a mil to a million dollars more per season if you want to get um, those bigger names or the biggest names, particularly Alistair Clarkson. He's going to command top dollar. There's no doubt about that. So, yeah, well, is it a bit of a risk uh, for North Melbourne to take given that it wasn't um, a successful campaign as the Brisbane coach?
1: Yeah, well, it, it probably would be, but... Um...
2: Or do you yeah. think he's done enough since? And you always learn from your, your past experiences, obviously, yeah, the you things do. that you did wrong. Like Michael Voss is a great example of that. Brett Rutten getting another gig at St Kilda. So, yeah, maybe it's uh,
1: it's a good one. Maybe it is. You're a good man. Our expert, Adam Cooney, here for Buy My Stock. Get excess stock. Visit buymystock.com.au.
6: The award-winning Crunch Time.
5: Lunchtime thanks to Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops, JJ out, Matt Hill in, it was a real quick uh, change and and, uh, great to be at the Melbourne Cricket Ground on a Sunday as I have a look over the great Coliseum of Sport uh, here in Melbourne, the the Hawks are running out for their pre-match warm up and A big dark cloud over the Punt Road end. We've had a bit of rain in the last five to ten uh, minutes. It's just going to be scattering the dust. It's nothing uh, too dramatic. Plenty of blue sky over at the city end. So looking forward to uh, the day. Adam Cooney, great program so far. Thank you, Matthew. Fantastic. Uh, It's a nice smooth transition between uh, yourself and JJ. Well done. And a pleasure to be with you. He just threw the baton out and I just grabbed it cleanly (laughs) and we're off and uh, running. It's time... For uh, Josh Jeans from Dabble to join us, as he does uh, every Sunday. Uh, welcome, Josh. What's happening on Dabble this week?
3: Good day, Yeah, plenty happening as always. Uh, the other day, Samuel Reed,
4: one of our ambassadors, having a, a pretty good day with 100 people copying the bet as well. So that means 100 people in the Dabble community having to win, which is great.
5: Fantastic. Uh, yeah. You're not going to get many complaints there. That's, uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so I was told that to the boys, so they played favourites yesterday and they got let down by the Kangaroos. That was an extraordinary last three or four minutes, wasn't it? And how are we looking for yeah. the matches today?
4: It's the cardinal sin when the shortest leg of the multi doesn't get up, you know, Matty. So I reckon that sounds like a Joshie Jenkins better. But, uh, <laughs> look, let's have a look at today.
2: Uh, we've gone the Eagles with the 31.5 head start. So given the weather... That sounds pretty good over the Hawks. The D's as well to get up, and the Gold Coast stuns. That's same five sixty eight. What are you liking there?
5: Oh, I think I'm with you with the D's. There's no doubt about that uh, against uh, Port Adelaide. It's going to be uh, tough in Darwin because Port have a decent record uh, there, mm. but I reckon it's time for Melbourne to start making a statement now that the Cats are really throwing down the gauntlet. So I agree with you there. Absolutely, they're looking good. So the easiest thing to do, Matty. To copy that bet is you just download the Dabble app, you follow the Crunch Time AFL team, they are the experts. You can copy that bet with one click and go on, have a dabble, dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Fantastic, JJ. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Josh Jeans from uh, Dabble. So, as we sit here on a Sunday afternoon, it's starting to pour again here at the MCG. Uh, so, the results so far this round, as the boys have touched on, Collingwood 14.791 over Adelaide 13.686, Brisbane 15.999 over GWS 9.559. In that uh, remarkable win, North Melbourne 14.892 over Richmond 11.2288. And of course, When we came into this round, uh, round 18, we thought that the big ticket match was Geelong and Carlton. Geelong 12-13-85, Carlton 8-7-55. What did you make of that match? Well,
2: they flexed their muscle, Geelong. And I think that they're the number one, uh, not contender, they're the number one seed uh, at the moment to win the Premiership this year. With Melbourne sort of faltering and having their issues. Um, they will get back into form at some stage in the back end of this season, and no doubt will will challenge again for back to back premierships. But yeah, Geelong are the team to beat. Now I'm struggling to to find a a weakness in them at the moment. It may have been uh, their, their key defensive post to start this season, and, and their age profile, but um, and the way that they played their footy last year at times was was a bit slow and stagnant, and cost them late in the season. But they've rectified that. They've found a, a gem in Sam De Kooning who took care of Makai last night and has more than matched it against the the big forwards this season. So you trust him now in September, which um, is amazing, really, considering how, how lean he is and, and skinny. He doesn't um, get beaten in too many one-on-one contests, read the play, knows when to, to come off his man and intercept as well. So he's had an incredible first year. It's just unfortunate that Nick Dacos has had the best first year of, of any AFL player to win the Rising Star so uh, he'll he'll come second behind Nick Dacos which is which is okay he'll have uh, more pressing things in, in the end of this season to worry about and hopefully winning a grand final Sam De Koning so uh, yeah they they flexed their muscle um, last night I like the way that they're playing it's just been a slight tinker of the game plan with Chris Scott um, in terms of how they move the ball and um, yeah they're a powerhouse side and When the going gets tough and the whips get cracking, as they say, Matty, you've got two forwards, probably three forwards that you can really trust. Now, in Tom Hawkins, you know, will play well in a big game. Jeremy Cameron, who is the best player in the AFL at the moment. And Tyson Stengel, who uh, has added that X factor, and he's a really hard-working small forward. Similar to Jeremy Cameron, they like to get up the ground. They're not afraid to run Um, half-back and work their opponents back to goal. So uh, It's been an issue with them, the small forwards over the last couple of seasons in terms of finishing, but Tyson Stengel um, has added exactly what they needed in that forward line with Geelong, because if Hawkins and Cameron aren't dominating, generally one of them does, but if they're not, it's uh, a few weeks ago it was Stengel who who stood up late and won the game for them. So... uh, they have Tom Stewart to come back as well Geelong which is a pretty handy in because
5: he's one of the best interceptors in the game so yeah i think they're the number 1 seed now so they haven't tasted defeat uh, since losing to St Kilda in uh, round 9 so what was what was the difference last night uh, Geelong's ball use their efficiency was certainly one of the ticks that uh, you could give them from last night. Yeah,
2: just a class above. And I mean, Carlton certainly had a crack, but with Mackay down, Kerno played, played reasonably well again last night for his, his three goals, uh, had five shots. But yeah, just all, all over the ground, they're, they're just a bit tougher, um, won those sort of um, those battles that, that, that needed to be won, outnumbering at the contest and, and working really hard. So they, yeah, they, there's just a bit of a, a class divide. Um, now and we're sort of starting to show um, Carlton's best um, around the footy, obviously it can match it with anyone, they're a really good clearance side, I think they got the, got the job done around the footy um, in terms of numbers but just cleanliness and efficiency inside 50 was the difference between the sides
5: and the, there's always been that narrative over the last, I don't know, 6 to 12 months that Geelong are just getting a bit old but with De Koning now coming in as uh, the new defender, and as you say, is capable of finals football are they the right balanced side to win a flag now?
2: Yep. yep, There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. I, I was uh, of the same belief that they were, they were too old. Um, but they've the, the players that they've introduced this year um, have played really well. I mean, close again has has probably stepped up and gone to another level. Holmes finding his spot in the middle of the ground. Guthrie, I know he's he's an older player now, but again, they haven't relied on Selwood. They haven't relied on Dangerfield. It hasn't been Mitch Duncan having to get the job done. It's it's been a good mix of some of these younger players um, who have stepped up and sort of filled that I must admit I didn't see it coming Uh, coaches are stubborn as well in terms of who they play where they want to play them and also their game style but I think for for Chris Scott to just adjust and and trust some of these young younger players coming through which he hasn't done in the past and, and let them
5: have a bit more freedom with their ball movement it's all coming together at the moment for the Cats Beautiful segue there, uh, Ash, because we're about to hear from Chris Scott who sat in front of the microphones at the desk and this is what he had to say reflecting on the win last night.
0: Yeah, they've been good this year. As we said during the week, or at least our coaching group did behind closed doors, when you have a look at them, they're um, they're pretty solid across all lines. They've got their game going. They look to be really clear in terms of how they want to play. Um, and it was sort of put to us a little bit that is it hard to plan for all their strengths. Kind of in a way, it's easy to plan for the good teams because you know um, what the clear and present dangers are. And, you know, we saw it especially early, you know, Kurnow just kick goals that good players kick that are, that are hard to stop. But even that matchup for the whole night of Henry and Kurnow just looked to me like two good players going at it. So, um, you know, the, the coaching part is obviously important but I thought it was one for us at least where the players were able to adjust to the game and and execute what was required at the right time because it was a pretty high pressure game obviously two good teams but also the conditions was a bit swirly it made for precise football being a bit more challenging.
5: Chris Scott so that's Geelong over Carlton last night 12 13 85 Carlton 8 7 55 Jeremy Cameron with three Tom Hawkins with two. The other match last night, the Sydney Swans, 11-16, Defeated Fremantle 9-11-65. Fremantle getting off to a quick-fire start. There were some 23 points in front early in the second term, but uh, Sydney ground them down.
2: Yeah, they did. They controlled the game after quarter time. They ended up, I think it was plus 17 inside 50s after quarter time. So they just kept the ball off them uh, and controlled the game the the way they want. They had 115 marks, Sydney, to to Frio's 51. So that was pretty much the the story of the game Uh, and also... uh, the other narrative coming out of it is the form of Chad Warner. I mean, we've, we've watched him pretty closely over the last few weeks and, and every week he just keeps getting better and better. And was uh, Again, he'll get the three Brownlow votes, was the best player on the ground last night.
5: All right, so where do you think that leaves Fremantle? So we've got Geelong at the moment on top with the 52 points with Melbourne still to play today on 48 in second. Brisbane Lions... Sit third ahead of Fremantle, 48. So it's a stinging loss up against a team like the Swans, who are currently in sixth.
2: Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a huge revolt for Sydney. It also means that Collingwood are uh, within reach of, of the top four as well, which is amazing to think about, given um, how far back they were coming from last year. So it's unbelievable stuff from, from Craig McRae. I still think Freo will finish in the top four. Um, that might have cost them a home final, last night, which would have been the rails run, uh, win that, and then you get a home prelim. So it could be really costly in terms of um, fighting for a flag this year for Frio, that loss last night.
5: What do you make of, just uh, before we go to a break, the little battle within a battle? um, Richmond and Western Bulldogs, they interest me because Richmond sits eighth, just ahead of Western Bulldogs on percentage, eighth and ninth. Um, They're two teams that if they get into the finals. They're plucky teams that could be a a threat. Yeah, you wouldn't want to play either of those sides uh, in an elimination final. The the positive
2: about it is it's looking likely that it it will be either Richmond or the Dogs that fill that eighth spot. And then if Collingwood don't finish in the four... That's going to be some sort of elimination final at the MCG. Collingwood versus Richmond would be an absolute cracker of a match. And even the Dogs will get a, a reasonable crowd in as well. So, yeah, you, you wouldn't want to play
5: either of those sides, I think, if they do slide into that eighth spot. All right, we're going to take a break. Crunch time thanks to Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. When we return, we're going to have a look at what's happening today on AFL Nation. the award-winning Crunch Time. Yes, Crunch Time on a Sunday afternoon, thanks to Thirsty Camel at Bottle Shops, and we're building up to Hawthorne against the West Coast Eagles here at the MCG. We're less than 24 minutes from the opening bounce, and typically Melbourne got a little bit dark there a moment ago, a little bit of rain, heavy rain. They've turned the lights on, and then the sun came out. Um, with some blue sky over the city. And uh, you've got to love the great city we live in, Adam.
2: Well, I think at one stage it was uh, belting down with rain (laughs) inside 50 and the other end of the ground was bathed (laughs) in sunshine. So it's got a
5: mind of its own, Melbourne. Well, of course, uh, great memories going to the footy as a kid, walking down uh, Barclay Street there towards the Witten Oval and... uh, Paying the $1.50 for the AFL footy record. The AFL footy record as popular as ever. Don't forget this week's footy record, uh, Repaying the Faith. We look back at the coaching landscape after Gold Coast Stuart Dew and his St Kilda counterpart, Brett Ratton, both secured new two-year deals. And a thirst for Thursday. The Thursday night experiment is done for the home and away season. We crunch the numbers, the TV ratings and attendances and conclude it has been a great success. I like the Thursday nights. What do you reckon, Ed? Love Thursday night footy.
2: Makes you feel like the weekend is upon you. I understand it's uh, tough logistically for some to to actually get to the games, but it's more a TV product, isn't it? Thursday night. For uh, sure. Thursday night footy, I I really enjoy it, and it spreads it out, and that means the, the Saturday afternoon game doesn't get lost like the Brisbane... The GWS game sort of got lost in the wash a, a bit yesterday. So um, I don't like games that overlap. I don't like games that are on at the same time. And I think the Thursday night slot uh,
5: alleviates a few of those issues. Adam Cooney, our expert, uh, thanks to Buy My Stock, got excess stock. Visit buymystock.com.au. So tell us what you think, uh, Adam, as far as today is concerned. First of all, we'll, we'll get into Hawthorne and West Coast shortly. We're building up to that match. We're less than 22 Minutes away, the Hawthorne banner is out on the ground. West Coast, uh, they haven't unfurled theirs as yet. And Melbourne, Port Adelaide, Traeger Park. Ports won their last three matches, a stat I was hearing yesterday at Traeger Park. Uh, this, is a, this is a good test for Melbourne. It is a good test for Melbourne, uh, who have been
2: inconsistent, lost three out of their last five. And uh, it's not the, the same Melbourne that we... Seen dominate the the first part of the year and obviously win the premiership last year. So yeah, they've got some issues uh, around the footy and also forward of the ball. Um, a lot has been made about their their forwards out of form. But they haven't been getting great supply from the mids over the last month or so. And, and Port Adelaide have have got their they've got their mojo back after a horrible start to the year where. Um, the Sharks were circling in terms of uh, Ken Hinckley, but I think he'll, he'll stay on. They've, they've backed him in, and um, they've got their game going. Finlayson uh, working really well uh, with that ruck combination. At the moment, Marshall uh, is having a career best year. A lot of people um, didn't know whether he'd make it, in in that spot, but he's been terrific as a forward. So um, Connor Rosie, the four midfielder in the competition as well. So everything's sort of
5: looking good for Port Adelaide. They're they're a huge chance in Alice Springs this afternoon. And what about across uh, town at Marvel? Essendon Gold Coast, both bouncing off... Game of the round. Game of the round, did you say? Yeah. You say that with a wry smile, (laughs) a a, a little bit of facetiousness in your face, but uh, both bouncing off... Quite dramatic victories, yes. uh, Essendon over Brisbane that were depleted at the Gabba last week, and uh, they came at him Brisbane, but Essendon held strong. And of course, the Gold Coast, what a what a phenomenal win! Yeah, they're they're, they're coming hard.
2: The Gold Coast Suns still within reach of a, a top eight position as well, but uh, they'll have the might of Essendon to to overcome, and the, the might of Peter Wright, my favourite player. In you the mate, Peter. Oh, God, he's good. He is good to watch, yeah. Peter. And uh, the Bombers found some form. They won three out of their last four as well. So um, it's going to be a cracking contest. I think it probably about four or six weeks ago we might have rolled our eyes at this one, the Sunday afternoon
5: twilight game. Might give that one a miss, but it's going to be a cracking contest. So the, um, the bounce-back segment for Djurovic, uh, providing erosion-controlled and environmental revegetation. Um, who's bounced back this week? It's got to be North Melbourne, doesn't it? Well, they bounced back in a, in a big way, uh, the biggest way possible. Which, isn't it odd
2: that the mindset of AFL players and, and AFL teams that like, couldn't get near it in the last 14 weeks, North Melbourne, they sack their coach and then come out and beat Richmond. The Tigers should have won that game. There's no doubt about that. They had uh, multiple opportunities to secure the four points, and they'll they'll rue those missed opportunities. But the, the spirit and endeavour just come from from nowhere. I mean, they showed it um, at times last week against Collingwood, but weren't good enough to get over the line. And um, for to to do it two weeks in a row now, that's the that's the baseline. That's what we expect to see from North Melbourne for the rest of the year. And um, if only they showed that sort of spirit an endeavour for the first 14 weeks. David Noble might still have his job. He would have been filthy, as I mentioned, a couple of times watching the game yesterday, thinking, well, why? Why do, why do they wait yeah. till I'm sacked to, to have this sort of effort? But uh, there's a few individuals that played really well for North Melbourne. A couple had their, their best games for the club. So that's the, um, that's, as I mentioned, that's the standard now for the rest of the year for
5: North. It's a remarkable uh, phenomenon in our sport, though, when a coach is under the pump like that, gets sacked the week after. They just absolutely put in, don't they? It, it it's bizarre. I don't know why it it happens, is bizarre.
2: It's almost it is an indictment on on players and groups that that does happen. Like automatically to have that sort of turnaround in in your in your mindset and the, and the effort that you bring. And um, we've mentioned earlier, Jaden Stevenson was really heavily criticised uh, last week. I think Ross Lyon said that he'd seen enough of him, uh, but bounced back really strongly um, yesterday,
5: and it was a much better performance by him. Did it happen personally to you at all when you were playing the great game when you had a coach under the pump uh, during yes. your career?
2: Yes, my first year was under Peter Road, who got sacked
5: with a few,
2: a few weeks to go. Uh, he played me every week. Uh, when I didn't deserve it, so I might have had a hand in in costing him his job, so I didn't play particularly well in my first year, but every week he he played me, kept me in the team, so I thank him for that, might have fell on his sword doing that. And then uh, obviously Rocket in 2011, we played in prelims 8, 9 and 10 and a lot of people picked us to win the grand final in 2011 and things went a bit pear-shaped halfway through the year and then you could tell that um, Rocket was getting more frustrated than usual. Um, which he generally vocalises that quite well. So uh, we sort of thought that uh, there might be an issue or two going forward. And then I had James Hurd in 2015, um, which all came to a head with the supplement stuff. He got sacked, and uh, that was it. That was, a, that was a few coaches that were under the pump when I played, that's for sure. <laughs>
5: oh, boy. Oh, boy, indeed. Well, that is um, a wrap for... Uh, for crunch time on this Sunday afternoon. I think we've covered everything. And now... Oh, you just slid in late. Just I know. Done 25 minutes of work. Yeah, having said that, I know you've done a couple of hours and it's you and me today for the next three hours. You're feeling all right. How's yes. the petrol tank? I'll have a uh, Red Bull and yeah. a coffee. Excellent. And then I'll be ready to go for this big clash at the G. All right, well, let's take a break. That was crunch time on AFL Nation. We're going to take a break. And when we return, it'll be the pre-game show for the Hawks and West Coast... And um, we'll be really getting into um, the match. I tell you what, um, it's 13 v 70, but it's just. Good to be at the G on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and
2: hopefully the rain does hold out. We've had a a, a sprinkling earlier, but it looks like it's starting to clear up now because uh, I was looking at some of the statistical data between these two sides, and uh, it's not pretty reading in terms of contested possession. Clearances inside 50s, they're uh, they're both pretty average. So uh, hopefully the the weather holds out and we have a a good contest today. But Nick Natanui out um,
5: for the West Coast Eagles certainly hurts them around the footy. So as the Hawthorne banner is raised, swag of people uh, around the race there, and uh, the West Coast uh, cheer squad—they're just keeping their powder dry at the moment. They'll H- be
2: how many, do you reckon, get here today? That's a good question. I was thinking that driving
5: here. I was thinking, oh, gee, is twelve thousand going to be enough? Well, hopefully, they get a, a couple more in than that. But there's a few West Coast Eagles
2: supporters in the house. But I don't think, I don't think we're going to get eighty. Here today. <laughs> well yes. that's that's, uh,
5: that's pretty evident uh, <laughs> We're not going to get 80 But I uh, let's hope uh, There's a fair bit of uh, brown and gold Out there uh, which is good to see And uh, the team uh, will be Running out in a few moments time So it's Hawthorne West Coast, strap yourself in for a Sunday afternoon at the MCG We'll uh, be Back in a few moments time, the umpires Are uh, wandering out onto the stadium So we're not far away from Live Sunday action